Good morning. This morning, each of you should have one of these. There you go. We are going to talk about treasure. How many of you have <clears throat> a piggy bank at home? How often do you put money in your piggy bank? Jade? Once in a while? Okay. How often do you put your money in your piggy bank? When, when you have change. Well, you know, moms and dads, sometimes when they come home from work, they just empty out their, their change in their pockets or maybe in their billfold and put it in a special place, saving it for something special. Today, I brought some banks that my children used and then left behind when they moved on into their own homes. There's all sorts of kinds of banks, and sometimes you save in your own bank, and then you transfer it to a savings account. This actually looks like a little bit like a um, safe. So this morning, I want to talk to you about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. When we save money in our piggy banks, though, that's what we call our treasures on earth. And sometimes people can get kind of caught up in that always looking at the money on that they have saved. But when Jesus spoke, as, as Kathy will talk about in the scripture this morning, that you should be saving treasures in heaven, what do you suppose treasures in heaven are? Anybody have an idea? Well, in your hands, Micaiah, what? Each other. Yep, that's a treasure. But how do we store up more treasure in heaven is what we're going to talk about this morning. And each one of you have a, a sheet of play money that has something written on it. And when, what I'd like you to do, we'll start with Reuben over here and we'll go right down the line. And I'd like you to come up. And if you cannot read what's written on your, your sheet of paper, I'd like, I'll help you and we'll, t we'll share that with the congregation. Reuben? You want to come up here with me? So what does your sheet of paper say? Can you tell me? Oh, that's okay. I'll read it for you. You should say sorry when you hurt someone. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Reuben. Okay, so then we'll fold it up, and we'll put this in this bank over here. Come over here, Reuben. Can you put that, put that in one? Put that in there. Next, do you want to come up? Okay. Should we find out what yours says? Yours says, forgive someone who has hurt you. You know what that means? It's to say, it's okay. It's all right. You want to put it in the bank? Okay. You can put it in the bank. Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> Help at a shelter for the homeless. Good deal. That's good. And you can fold it up. Victoria? <laughs> or Micaiah? Pray for each other. That's another treasure. You How it builds up your treasure. Now, I'm sure Ethan can read. <laughs> 
Hi, Ethan. Help feed the hungry. Are you hungry, Ethan? Yeah, I am. <laughs> we'll fold it up. I'll let you do that. Uh-huh. Uh, Brock. Be a friend to someone who is lonely. Very good. That's another treasure. Jade? Be cheerful to someone who is sad. That's really important, isn't it? Can you, can you, you want me to read it? Okay, what does it say? Visit the sick. That's a way to build up treasure, isn't it? Yeah, you fold it up. Come on up. Be kind to each other. Play with someone who is alone. Play with someone who is alone. Good job. Good job. And that's, and that's how you build up treasure in heaven is being kind and doing all of these things. It's just an example of how you build up your treasure in heaven. My child that owns this safe is going to be very surprised once they open this up because they're going to think they have won the lottery. There you go. Thank you very much. Can you get it started? Can you get it? I think we need to fold it just one more time. Let's see. I'll try it. I'll try it. There we go. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, dear Father, for showing us how we can build up treasures in heaven as opposed to just treasures on earth. Thank you very much. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For those of you who were here last week, I shared that it's been almost five years since I met my husband, Jason, and it's been about three and a half years since we got married and moved here to Beersford to live. That means, if you're doing the math, that both of us were in our 30s by the time that we decided to join our households, which means that we both had a house full of stuff coming into our marriage. Not only did we both have any given item, but sometimes we were also given a new version of that item for a wedding gift, which means that we had multiples of basically everything. 
and had to do the hard work of choosing which we would keep and which we would get rid of one way or another. Now, this is a difficult task because we're human and we were attached to our stuff. Even if it isn't great stuff, it's our stuff. And if you ask my husband, uh, very little of his stuff actually made it into our house here in Beersford. And tell you he's not entirely wrong about that. But before you go feeling too bad for him, you have to remember that he was a bachelor and that his stuff was a cross between hand-me-downs and an old lady lived in his house before him and just left a bunch of things there. Not really my style. This process of joining households still isn't done, actually. In our garage is a wall full of shelves filled with boxes waiting for us to go through them since we moved. But at the time, it was stuff that we just couldn't part with. But now, after three and a half years of not using it and not even knowing what's in those boxes, maybe we were ready to let them go. But we aren't the only ones who have these kind of attachments to our stuff. In fact, in the United States alone, there's 2.3 billion square feet of rentable self-storage space. This is space that people will rent to store their stuff that doesn't fit where they're living. Now, sometimes people use this when they're moving from place to place or have to downsize for various reasons. But often it's just for stuff that we don't really need, but we can't let go. There's even a now popular TV show like A&E Storage Wars, People can actually bid on the bandage storage units full of stuff in hopes of finding valuable things to sell. You might even call them modern day treasure hunters. But the truth is our treasure isn't actually found in our stuff. We like our stuff. We're attached to our stuff for various reasons. Our stuff can be very useful to us, but ultimately our treasure is not in our stuff. How do I know this? My grandmother. Vivian Rowan, who is my dad's mom, and my dad is here today, uh, really liked her stuff. Would you say that was true? Yep. Uh, she was someone who took very good care of her things, and she had things that were in her possession that had been handed down in the family. I remember going to her house, and she would tell me that I could look at the different things around the house and tell her what I wanted. And when she passed away, it would be mine. It was kind of a morbid exercise. But I remember picking out little figurines. I, was I didn't go for the really high dollar stuff. Uh, others probably picked up more valuable things than I did. But she was someone who really valued her things. When I was in seminary in Massachusetts, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. She had gone in for, to have her gallbladder removed. And when they went in, they found that there was a tumor wrapped around her gallbladder. And that's to her liver. From the time she was diagnosed until the time she passed away was only five weeks. And I received letters and phone calls from her time and I ended up flying home only two days before she passed away. 
And you know what? She never once talked about her stuff. Her letters to me were about family and friends that she had come to see her. Her letters talked about how proud she was of her grandchildren. She wrote to me of the lessons that she had learned through her devotions and throughout her life that had given her strength for the time that she was facing. At the end of her life, it wasn't her stuff that she cared about. It was the people in her life. It was the experiences that she had, and it was the faith that brought her through all of it. That's how I know our treasure is not found in our stuff. And it was only later that I realized that the reason that my grandmother loved her stuff so much wasn't because of the item itself. It was because of what it reminded her of. Those things were reminders of memories of people that were no longer here that she loved and cared about. So it wasn't even so much about the stuff. It was a tangible connection, memory she held here. And that's because our stuff can never be our treasure. Stuff just cannot fulfill that role. We're going to be spending the next few weeks looking at the Sermon on the Mount and talking about where we are investing our lives. And that's also going to include our money. And I know the topic of money is one that people would rather just not talk about. I know this because I used money as our tough topic Tuesday last month. Actually, it was this month. And I had half the people show up. I wasn't surprised by that. But if I'm going to be a faithful preacher of the gospel, I have to talk about money. I have to talk about money because Jesus talked about money, not just once or twice, a lot. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell put together. It one of, of the 39 parables that Jesus taught, 11 of them were on the topic of money. If we look just at the Gospel of Luke alone, one out of every seven verses is on the topic of money. Jesus talked a lot about money, and if we are to be his faithful disciples, we need to talk about money too. We need to know what Jesus taught and how it applies to our lives. Now, I could spend a whole year on the topic of money just because of how much Jesus talked about it, but I'm not going to do that. So you can breathe your sigh of relief now. But we are going to focus on what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you think Jesus talked so much about money? It's because Jesus cares about our hearts. Whether we like to admit it or not, how we think about money, how we use money, how we earn money, and how we spend money all reflect and affect our hearts. And Jesus understood this. Money can have a lot of power and influence over us. I want you to think for a moment about the ways in which money affects your life. Many of you have heard about the high divorce rate in our country, which actually is beginning to lower, which is good news. But 
a lot of that has to do with money. The biggest trigger in fights for married couples is how do we handle our money? Another area that money comes into the forefront in families is when someone passes away and there's money left or they have to figure out how to pay for things like the funeral and so on. You know, that's one of the reasons we decided to do this Living Wisely, Dying Well event to help people figure out some of those things before they go through the grief of loss. If you are someone who has built a house or bought a house recently, there's a lot of money and investment that goes into that purchase that can feel overwhelming. If you are someone who has gone through difficult financial burdens or times where money was tight, times when there wasn't enough money to pay your bills, I think you know that money isn't just a financial issue. When you are dealing with a lack of funds, money becomes an emotional and a spiritual issue as well. Money is something separate from our faith. It's not something separate from our faith. Because money is an integral part of our lives. We need money every single day to provide for ourselves and for our families. So having enough or not having enough makes very significant changes in how free we feel to do what we desire to do or not. Jesus talks about money because money affects our hearts. People tend to believe that where our hearts are, our money will follow. What they mean by that is that people will invest in our lot their lives, people will invest their money, their time, their talent in the things that they love. And I think that can be true for some people. I think more often that those are the people that have a lot of money. But think about it. How often do you say to yourself, to your spouse, to your children, to your friends, oh, I would love to do that, but I just don't have the money right now. I would love to take that trip. I would love to support this cause. I would love to travel to your destination wedding in Fiji or wherever, but I just can't afford it. And why not? Because more often than not, we have already spent our money on things that we don't necessarily love, things that really aren't passionate, things that we're passionate about, but are things that are necessary. We spend our money on our homes, on food, on education. And because so much of our time and money and energy are invested in these things, like paying for our mortgage, paying for our food, paying for our children's extracurricular activities, which is becoming more and more expensive all the time, our hearts become invested in those things as well. They are no longer things that we require to live. They become the very things that we love just because so much of our lives are already invested and caught up in them. So instead of where our hearts are, our treasure will follow. It should be whatever we put our treasure into, especially our money, our hearts are going to follow. Billy Graham was asked late in his life 
If you could, would you go back and do anything differently? If you don't know who Billy Graham is, he was a great American evangelist in the 20th century who would lead very large rallies and gatherings and was directly responsible for bringing thousands of people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. His life impacted so many. So you think that he was satisfied with the way he chose to live his life in service to God. But his answer might surprise you. Yes, of course, he said in response to the question about doing things differently. He said, I'd spend more time at home with my family. I'd study more and I'd preach less. I wouldn't have taken so many speaking engagements. Now, if the evangelist Billy Graham looked back at his life with the desire to do some things differently, to invest his time and his energy in different things, is it possible that you might want to make some changes in your life? I want you to do a little thought experiment this morning with me. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have zero debt. Now, for some of you, this is, might not be far-fetched. You actually might have zero debt. But imagine you have zero debt, you have no payments, and you could choose for yourself where you would store up your treasure. Where would it be? What would you invest your life in? What would make you say at the end of your life that you did exactly what you wanted to do with the life and the resources that you were given? Do you have that picture in your mind? If you had the resources, if you had the time and energy, what would you choose to do? with what you have. Now, I want you to think about where you are currently storing up your treasure. This is going to be different for everyone here this morning, although my guess is that there will be some things that overlap. But where do you invest most of your treasure? When you get your paycheck, where's that money going? Is it going to things you are passionate about? Is the bulk of it going to the necessities of life so there isn't much left to invest your heart in what it wants? Is your time, your effort, and your money going to interests and hobbies? How much of your treasure are you storing up with God in mind? How different is the list in your brain of what you would do if you were free to do whatever you want and the list of what you are currently doing. Sometimes we are uncomfortable talking about money because we feel in our hearts a disconnect from how we save, spend, and invest our money and what we confess as our faith. We seek to be generous in many ways, or we expect the church to be generous as the hands and feet of God, but sometimes we are not generous in our own hearts and in our own treasure. In that space between what we do and what we are asked to do by God lives a tension. 
that most of us like to try to avoid if we can. Believe me when I say that I understand this tension. It's the same tension that exists in us when we know we should work out and when we sleep instead. Believe me, I know that one. It's the same tension that says we should eat those vegetables, but we reach for the double-stuffed Oreos instead. Does anyone else have that tension in their lives? That's me. It's the same tension that says we should volunteer for this event, but we stay at home instead. It's the tension between what is and what should be. In our scripture today, Jesus offers us a way to relieve that tension in our lives, the tension that is created by how we invest our treasure. And Jesus tells us that we should store up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. You know, this passage makes me think of the Titanic. My brain works in mysterious ways. But go with me on this. Titanic was that passenger ship that famously sunk in 1912 after hitting an iceberg. That ship was the premier ship of its day. No doubt many people invested their treasure into building that ship and believing that they would get their treasure back tenfold. Titanic made its way back and forth across the Atlantic. It seemed at the time like a solid investment. But on its maiden voyage, the first time it sailed, the ship sunk. People's lives were lost and all of that treasure, all of that time and that energy and that money that people invested now lives at the bottom of the ocean. Things that were once beautiful and ornate Items that people cherished are now covered in rust and slime and corrosion. We may think that it is smarter to invest in the things of this world, but Jesus invites us to invest in what is truly eternal. The only thing that will never die, the thing that will always be, which is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be part of something that will continue long after you, invest your life in the things of heaven. Invest your soul in the things that your soul loves. And part of that is by doing the work that the church has been created to do. Each week I have you say the same prayer when we receive our offering, and it might be redundant to some of you, but I hope that you pay attention to the words that we say because we ask God to bless these gifts that they may be used to further the work of your kingdom here in Beersford and beyond. The gifts that you give. Yes, you can look at a spreadsheet and see the breakdown of how we spend each and every dollar. But ultimately, all of the gifts that you give are given to God to be used to further the work of his kingdom. To be used to create disciples of Jesus Christ who can change the world. That's what all of this is for. That's what it looks like to invest your treasure in heaven, to be part of the continuing work 
that began thousands of years ago, the work that we have been asked to steward for our lifetimes so that we can hand it off to the next generation and the next generation until Christ returns. This church building probably won't last forever. If you're a trustee, you know that better than most of us. But the work that we do as a church, as the people of God, will last forever because it is God who blesses it and God who makes it happen. And God is inviting you and me to be a part of it, investing our treasure, not just our money, but our lives in doing the work of God. And when we invest our treasure in what God is doing, our hearts will follow. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for your invitation to be part of the kingdom of God, to be part of this life-changing work that you call us into. Help us to invest our treasure, our time, our energy, our money, our stuff, whatever it is that you ask of us, so that we can continue to build the kingdom of God for future generations. And we ask this in your name. Amen.